So I am so happy we're here together today. We need to get into this passage. It's an absolutely fun one. Parents, I do want to continue to echo you. We love it that your kids are here. And uh, as the staff and the elders are talking, we're wondering, where do we go from here now as it relates to kids' ministry? Well, please know this. We are talking about what needs to happen next with kids' ministry, and so um, be praying for us in that way. But as things currently stand, this is the way we have it. We're going to try and involve your kids um, throughout the course of the sermon, um, making sure they're as as engaged as possible. And uh, also, please understand, if you feel like you need to take your child out, go for it. If you want to bring your child back in, go for it. We want you to be absolutely comfortable and uh, not distracted. We are not, as we preach, we're not distracted by your kids um, if they make noise. And so please remember this. At Summit Church, your children are a blessing. They are not a burden, and we love to have them here with us. Okay? That's to you, parents. Okay, kids. So we're just now finishing the sixth day of the created order that God spoke into existence at the beginning of time. And so kids, I want your attention. This is what we're going to do. I want you to take a journey with the Holy Spirit of God as he hovered over the surfaces of the deep, over the water at the very beginning of all time. In the beginning was God alone. In the beginning was God alone. And he is the one that created the heavens and the earth. And so we see in the first couple of verses of the Bible, the earth was without form and there was a darkness over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters, okay? So we have this formless shape of water, kids. Are you ready? Now, as Charles explained it to us when he first preached this, like try and imagine the Holy Spirit of God hovering over this, this expanse, this water, this thing that he was about to take and form into this perfect and most beautiful creation. So I want you to think right now that you are with the Spirit of God as it's hovering over the face of the earth or over the face of this water, okay? And so the Holy Spirit is like, okay, I'm waiting. I'm waiting on myself, who is God, because the Holy Spirit is God. I'm waiting on myself to give me orders about what to do next. And so this is what he says. He's like, hey, whatever your name is, child, as you're standing beside me, the Holy Spirit, what do you think he's going to tell us to do? What do you think he's going to tell me to do? And he says, this is the first thing we're going to do. God spoke and he said, let's bring light into existence. The first day God spoke and he said, let there be light. And so the Holy Spirit of God says, it's time to make light and bam, light is brought into existence. This most pure and an undefiled light that came as a result of God speaking. Creation obeyed, light came into existence, and that was the first day. First day, light is brought into existence. And then God said on the second day, remember, you're with the Holy Spirit of God, and the Holy Spirit is waiting on God to tell himself what he's about to do next. And this is what he says. God says, said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the water. And so this water that you see formed, he takes his holy and mighty and eternally big hand and he brings the separation between water on earth and water in the heavens. And he creates an atmosphere for us to live in so that we can live and move and breathe and have our being. Day one, he makes light. Day two, he makes our atmosphere. And after the end of the second day, he finishes The second day is done, and he moves on to the third day. And so here you are again with the Holy Spirit hovering, waiting on the next instruction. And on the third day, guess what he made? Anybody know? On the third day, the waters under the heavens were gathered together into one place, and then dry land appears. And as dry land appears... It was so. It happened. And God called the dry land earth, and he called the waters that were gathered together, he called them seas. And God saw, guess what, that it was good, an expression of God's goodness. And then, as the earth had been formed, we have water separated from land, we have earth, and we have water. He then goes ahead and he says, it's time for us to sprout vegetation, plants yielding seeds and uh, fruits that bear or excuse me, fruit trees that bear fruit, 
in which is their seed in accordance with their kinds on the earth. And he goes on to make all vegetation, plants, and everything in accordance with their own kind. And that's what he does on the third day. Light, atmosphere, and plants, and earth. All on the first three days, okay? Three days. You ready for the fourth day? Remember, you're hovering with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is saying, wonder what God's going to say next. Wonder what the instructions are going to be for to myself, from myself. And this is what he says. On the fourth day, God said, let there be lights in the heavens and let's separate the day from the night. And so he takes and he throws the sun into the sky for day or for the daytime. He takes the moon to reflect the sun's light to, to provide light at nighttime. And then he throws all the stars into the heavens and he creates the sun and the moon and the stars. And he made the greater light, the sun, to rule the day. And he made the lesser light that he calls, that we call the moon, to rule the night. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. Four days to create all of this. Then the fifth day, God says, and this is where it gets really fun for me. I don't know about you kids, but he says, let's have in the waters swarms of living creatures, birds that are flying in the heavens, across the expanse of the heavens. So God created the sea creatures and every living creature that moves that's in the water according to their kinds and every bird according to its kind to fly in the skies. And God blessed them and he said to them, I don't want you just to be who you are. I want you to be fruitful and multiply. And that's what he says to the animal kingdom. And then there was evening, there was morning, the fifth day. All of this in five days, God created by his spoken word. He said it, creation obeyed, and it came into existence. And then we come to the sixth day. You still with me, kids? You are with the Spirit of God as He is creating all things. And He comes to the sixth day and He says, Let's, or, or let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kind. So He makes livestock, He makes all of the creeping things on the earth, He makes the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and He makes them in accordance with the way He wanted it to happen. And God saw after this was done that it was created and that it was good. So we're halfway through the sixth day. All of this has been created in accordance ex- with exactly the way God spoke it to be. This is the way He intended it to be. And so here's what I see, kids. I see God stepping back, and He's kind of not wringing His hands with... He's wringing his hands with fun. Okay, this is what we've done. This is what God has done. He rolls up his sleeves. He takes a deep breath. And then God said, let us make man in our image. And so that's where we come from. When God spoke, he said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have, we will let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on earth. He says to us, to mankind, he said to Adam, he said, I want you to have dominion over all of that. The creation is finished. It's perfect in its way. It's perfect in its structure. It's exactly as God intended it to be. And then he says, God created man in his own image. About the sixth day, he says, God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created him, both male and female, he created them. So here's what I want you to do, kids. With your bulletin, I'm going to talk to your parents for a little while in just a moment, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down right now. You can draw it. You can color it in. You can, you can, make, you can write your own sentences based on what you believe it to be for you, but what is your favorite part of creation? All right? Favorite part of creation. All of the things that were made, what is your favorite part? Okay? And then here's the second thing. And this is for you. You know what, parents, if you want to do that, you can do that too. I think it's, it's kind of fun. I was told last sermon that when I brought the kids in, that provoked the adults to think and to, to refocus. 
and to be gathered again to the sermon that was being preached. So if if this is something you want to do, uh, I invite you to do that. But here's the second thing, kids. What do you think it means to look like God? What do you believe it means to look like God? Because we were created in God's image. And so if we're created in God's image, kids, what do you believe that means we're supposed to look like? So what does God look like? What do you think it means to look like God? Now, parents, this is where you need to pay attention because right now you don't have a Sunday school teacher to help walk them through this. And so guess what? It's now your responsibility as your child's parents to help them understand what it is they're supposed to be describing right now. Now, I know you can't do it right now, but here's what you're, you're going to need to do at the end of the service sometime today. You're going to want to ask your child, what did you draw? So if your child draws a cow, you have a problem. If your child draws nothing, you have something that needs to be addressed. And so you need to pay particular attention to what your child has determined it means to look like God. Okay? And so maybe the question for you is, I wonder what it means to look like God. Well, I believe today's passage helps us identify more clearly what it really means to look like God. Last week... Here we go. Last week, Charles shared with us that we are created to be God's image bearers. God isn't finished with the sixth day, which brings us to today. And so today's big question is this. This is the one that we need to answer, and your kids are trying to answer it right now. What does it look like to bear the image of God? Now, I've wrestled with this because here we stand on the other side of the fall. We know, we know the fall comes in Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, God has provided all things for us. He provided all things for them, all plant life for them to eat and to, and to nourish themselves. But we know in Genesis chapter 3, there was one restriction provided, you may not eat from this specific tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know they didn't. So here we stand as his church on the other side of the fall, looking back at what God declared creation to be in its perfection. And it's hard, it's hard for me to make sense about how we're supposed to respond to something that was created in its purity, and now here we stand in our fallen selves. So, God's perfect creation, He created man to bear His image, and as we are created, we all bear His image somehow. So as you look around the room right now, kids, if you look at your brother, your sister, you look at your friends, your parents, every single one of us bears God's image simply because he created us to be the people we are. Now, this is where it gets complicated for me, maybe not for you, but that was broken at the fall, it was broken, and now here we stand. While, while in some degree we bear the image of God, we know that it is now tainted because we all invite sin into our lives, and we, we make decisions that go contrary to what God would have us to do, and thus tainting, tainting the image that we are intended to bear. God created man in his own image. In his image, he created them, male, him, male and female, he created them. And yet here we stand. What does it look like to bear the image of God as we stand here on the other side of the fall? We're going to come to that. But what we're going to do first is we're going to look at God's original intent in verses 28 to 31 of Genesis chapter 1, pre-fall expectations of what this would look like. And then at the end of the service, we're going to take a look at the spiritual implications. Because we need to remember this. Knowledge puffs up. We can look at the created order, and we can be finished with it, and we can know exactly how God did it. But if we can't take it and apply it to our lives, find the spiritual implication of each verse, then we've missed it, and we've only been puffed up by knowledge. And so what we want to do is we want to take a look at the spiritual implications of what this passage is saying to us today on the other side of the fall. So with that said, let's pray. Father, I come before you, we come before you um, now, overcome by the perfection of your creation. We praise you, God, because you spoke, and everything happened in accordance with your word, and then you say it was so. 
We celebrate that truth right now, Lord, that as you speak, things happen. And things happen in accordance with your word. Now, Lord, as we, as we come before you right now, humbly in a position of um, humility before you, laying our prayer requests before you, I'm asking, Lord, that you would do a mighty work in the heart of each individual. Lord, declare your word. I pray that your word would speak. I pray that your word would be, would be heard and recognized. I pray, Lord, that hearts would be changed and that you would get your glory through us and that we all today would become better at bearing the image of God, just as you said we are too, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so here we go. Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 to 31. Now, as I'm about to read this, I want you to hear something. God spoke for six days, and when he spoke it, it was so. In all of creation, creation listened to the mouth of God until he came to mankind. So I want you to be thinking about that. How are we doing at bearing the image of God, at listening to the commands of God, because we're about to come to the very first spoken command by the God that created all things. He's going to tell us to be a blessing, to be a blessing. So I want you to be thinking about that. Here we go. Genesis chapter 1, verses 28 to 31. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all of the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. The creation account is complete. Next week, we're going to see it's time to rest But I want to go back to our big question. What does it look like to bear the image of God? I wonder what kind of thoughts come to your mind right now when you think about that. What does it look like to bear the image of God? Well, of course, it takes the entirety of this book for us to see and search and look for what it really means to bear the image of God. But but as God has declared, this is what we are to, to do and to look like and to be. In verse 27, the very first things he speaks, I believe we can see a very small handful of ways that we are to be God's image bearers, okay? So we're only going to have two today, but they're so big. It's like trying to describe the kingdom of God. What does the kingdom of God look like? My goodness, it takes all of eternity for us to understand the magnificence of that. And the same thing, you're to bear the image of God. What does the image of God look like? It's so big. It's so magnificent. It will take us all of our lives and we will still fall short as we look for what it means to look like God and for us to be as he intended us to be. So today we're going to look at two. All right, so here we go. The image of God is expressed when? The image of God God is expressed when he blesses mankind. Remember, verse 27, we are to bear his image. Verse 28, the very first words out of his mouth are, and the scriptures are that God blessed them. Now, you hear that word thrown around probably most often in a careless fashion. I'm so blessed to have. I'm so blessed to be. It was such a blessing to see. It was, and the word blessed is so misused and overused. And you know what? While often it's used in the right context, we need to understand exactly what it means when God says that he blessed us. He blessed mankind. So I have, a, I have a description for you here. God blessed mankind. Here's what the meaning is. The guys laughed with me. This is a hard name to say. Venetha. Venetha Rendell Rissner from Desiring God. This is what she says. You can see it on the screen. 
This is what she says it means to be blessed by God. The scriptures show that blessing is anything God gives that makes us fully satisfied in him. Anything, anything that he gives us is to make us fully satisfied in him. Anything that draws us closer to him, anything that helps us to relinquish the temporal, these created things, and hold on more tightly to the eternal. That's what it means to bless. That's what it means to be blessed. Anything that God gives, anything that God provides to make us more fully satisfied in him. How has God blessed mankind? We see it in the very next words. He says to us, he gives us this most incredible privilege, this most incredible responsibility. God blessed us. And he said, go and be fruitful and multiply. Go and be fruitful and multiply. What's the purpose of that? Okay? Adam and Eve are perfect in their creation, just as God intended them to be. Why would God say, be fruitful and multiply? Well, I have a couple of theories. Actually, the first one is, an, is a truth. The next one is kind of my personal theory. Here's the first one. And this, we don't like this. Why, we always want the deep answer for the, for the question, why? Why did God say to be fruitful and multiply? Well, we need to settle down and be okay with this because that's the way he purposed it. God blessed us, and he said, be fruitful and multiply. So he intended for us to do it this way. That's the first one. Now look around the room. Look at kids, look at your brothers, look at your sisters, look at your parents, look at your friends. Consider those you go to school with now. Mankind is to bear the image of God. There's only two at this point, Adam and Eve. Clearly, Adam and Eve are going to come to a place where they are insufficient in their expressions of the image of God. And so God says, I want more to express the image of God. And so, hence, right now we have how many billions of people on the face of the earth all coming together in who they are with the intention of, with God's intention of us bearing the image of God. The more images, the more better. Listen to this. This is what Henry Morris, a commentator on Genesis, says about this. If we wouldn't have corrupted this, I love this, because I love the idea of space exploration. God wanted more and more and more people to bear his image. Before the fall, the intention was, according to Henry Morris, that we would fill the earth with ourselves so full that guess what we would have to do? That the animal kingdom would have filled itself to to the fullest where this this planet cannot handle any more of us or the animal kingdom. And so we would have to go somewhere else and repopulate another planet. That's what Henry Morris says. That's his theory. And I think that's pretty spectacular to think if we would have just done it the way God said it, how magnificent would it be? How far would we be? God has it all under control. That's the way God determined it to be. The more image bearers there are, the better we can bear the image of God, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's what he says to us. What a, what a crazy privilege it is that we get to do that. And then he said to subdue it and have dominion over it. Now, subdue, it's hard to think of this in terms of um, pre-fall because the words subdue and dominion are really military terms. And when you look at those words in, in terms of military, all things were acting and, and, and happening in accordance with God's perfect plan before the fall. So why would he say that? Here's what I believe this is intended to say. I want you to absolutely be a part of my creation, enjoying it to its fullest, learning from it, being in it, finding your enjoyment in it, using it, being blessed by it. Nothing in all of creation has been given the privilege that we are given to subdue all of creation and having dominion over it. Only mankind, we are his image bearers. Two people cannot, we don't have the capacity to do what God has asked us to do in subduing and enjoying the fullness of his creation. So imagine you're Adam and Eve. 
and you see all of creation before you, and you're being told to enjoy all of this. Well, shoot, we can only enjoy such a small portion of it. It would only make sense that we would be fruitful and multiply. Now, think of it in these terms. Parents, how do you do at subduing and having dominion over your home? This helps bring perspective for me. You know, aside from my family, I have a dog, and I have squirrels, and I have chipmunks. I really, I really believe that the way chipmunks act is a result of the fall, <laughs> and that God fully intends for me to have dominion over them and subdue them. I really believe that, and so I do that. I have dominion over chipmunks, and the owls now help me with my dominion over the chipmunks. See how things work together? You know, that, that really brings a, good, a point here. When I think about who Christ had to die for, when I think about all of the creatures on the face of the earth, and I'm, and I'm driven to a point where I think about what's the lowliest creature on the face of the planet, you know, we oftentimes want to say snakes or spiders or worms or whatever. But listen, they're all doing exactly what they were created to do. The only thing that's not getting it is us, is me. Three hundred twenty million people in our country with thousands of government officials, and how are we doing at maintaining order? This privilege that God has extended to us, how are we doing at maintaining order over the land that He has provided for us to live in? You know, after my late wife Andrea died, or I've shared this with you before, I remember sitting, and I had dominion over Andrea and I had dominion over this tiny little like eight hundred square foot apartment. It's all we had. And we made decisions together, and after she died, I didn't have her to make decisions with anymore. And I think about how intimidating that was that after five and a half years having someone to go to to say, okay, what do we need to do over here to subdue this? What do we need to do over here to have dominion over this in our lives? And all of a sudden, boom, she's gone, and I have to make those decisions on our own. Praise God that he says be fruitful and multiply, and we have each other. Praise God for that. He says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, subdue it and have dominion over it. God's blessing as he pours it out on mankind, inviting us into the privilege of overseeing his land. Kids, here we are, coming back to you, okay? How's it going with um, what it means to look like uh, to be God, or what it looks like, what it means to look like God? Here's one way. I want you to do this, Okay. By being a blessing. So I want you to choose an animal in all of creation that you want to have dominion over and you want to subdue. It could be you want to ride a camel. So you throw a rope around its neck and you ride a camel around. It could be, you know what, I actually want to ride a dolphin. And so I'm going to subdue that. Or maybe you're simple enough that you just want to have a dog or a cat. Listen, I want you to think about how you would treat that animal, okay? This is what it means to have dominion. You're going to treat that animal with kindness, compassion. You're going to love that animal. You're going to take care of that animal. Now I want you to think as you're doing that, that's exactly how God intends for us to be a blessing to others. As, we, as you would treat that animal, you treat others with the same kindness and compassion, providing for them, taking care of them, okay? Here we go. Responsibility and privilege. The first commandment God speaks to his people in the Bible. And I continue to think about the obedience of creation and the created order and the obedience of mankind or lack of it. All right? God reveals himself. His image is expressed when he blesses. Here's another one. He provides for mankind. And we have to keep moving, okay? God provides for mankind. And he says this in verse 9, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree with with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Boom, he has provided us everything we need. He says it, every plant I have provided you. Every tree I have provided you. You shall have them for food. Plants yielding seeds, that is on the face of the earth, every tree with its seed in it. He provides us with fruits and trees and herbs and vegetables. I was scolded the last time, kids, 
by a number of you that uh, we pass right by vegetables and not claiming or naming which one is our favorite because I don't believe it's possible. But from what I understand, while you can have your favorite fruit, you also have your favorite vegetables. So kids, what are your favorite vegetables? Tell me. I don't hear anybody. There is no child that just said zucchini. RJ, that's pretty amazing. What else? Broccoli, carrots. I can go with them, depending on how we make them. <laughs> Amen. Right on. Okay, hold it. We're going to go further, kids, okay? Because here we are after the fall. Now, in Genesis chapter 9, God goes further, and I still don't know why he went further. It leaves me scratching my head. It seems like, based on the fall, he would want to go backwards and say, you can only eat vegetables. But for me, it feels like he's gone forward, and he's provided us a further blessing. Listen to this. As God blessed Noah and his sons, he said, again, I want you to be fruitful and multiply. This is after the flood wiped everything off of the face of the earth. Mankind is starting over again. God is starting over with mankind through Noah, and this is what he says to him. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and every bird of the, of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea. Into your hands they are delivered. Subdue and dominion makes better sense to me when I think of it in terms of after the fall. And this is what he's saying. They're all going to be afraid of you. Subdue and have dominion over them, okay? Now listen to this, though. This is back to the fun part. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. So chicken and beef and fish, everything that moves and lives shall be food for you. Now, chicken nuggets and macaroni and cheese and Reese's Puff cereal and the list goes on and on and on. So kids, what is your favorite food? All of the foods, not zucchini. I don't want to hear zucchini. What is it? I'll tell you what. Okay. I need some semblance of control here. My favorite thing, kids, is to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and order their boneless wings half off Thursdays and get it with Parmesan garlic sauce all over it or their medium hot sauce. Love it. That's one of my favorite things to do. And God has provided all of this for us, every single thing for us to be food. As I have given you all green plants... Genesis chapter 9, he says, I give you everything. He has provided for us every single thing we need. Everything. What an amazing expression of the image of God as our great provider. Shame on us when we don't trust in that. And then look at verse 30. He, does, he takes care of the beasts of the earth too as, as well, kids. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life. Listen to how many times he says every, 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 every. Everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And guess what? And it was so. Creation, listening to its creator. God provides us of, for, with everything. It makes me think of 1 Timothy chapter 6, God's warning to the rich when he says, in this present age, this is a warning, Paul I want, or, or Timothy, I want you to charge them not to be haughty nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. It's for us to enjoy. He is our great provider. We will never, ever lack if we are in relationship with God. Why do we worry? Oh my goodness, why do we worry? Okay, listen. This is a real simple look at verses 28 to 31. God blessing mankind, telling them to be fruitful and multiply, subduing the earth, having dominion over it, and he's provided for us everything we need in order to sustain life. Okay? He blesses, image of God expressed. He provides, image of God expressed. Now what does this mean for us on the other side of the fall? What does this mean for us on the other side of the fall? And so here's where it gets personal. 
What are the spiritual implications? Hebrews chapter 11 verse says, verse 6 says this, that without faith it is impossible to please God. And if you do not please God, guess what you're not doing? You're not bearing His image that He calls us to do. Bearing His image. Without faith it is impossible to please God. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. You can't. You cannot be a blessing to anyone without faith. Because if we remember, blessing is anything, that get, anything God gives us that makes us fully satisfied in Him. And if you don't have the Holy Spirit of God in you, it's impossible for you to be one that points others to the person of Jesus Christ and to God His Father. You need to have faith. God blessed and He said, be fruitful. Yes, we can be fruitful and we can multiply mankind on the face of the earth. But the spiritual implication here rings into the life of the church. What does it look like for us to be fruitful and to multiply? John 15, verses 8 to 15 says this, that by this my God is, or my Father is glorified. Jesus says, by this my Father is glorified, or I will bear the image of God if I am fruitful. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And then he goes on to express it in these terms. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide then in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. If you keep his commandments, you're going to be an image bearer of God. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Listen, unless you are connected to the vine, unless you are connected to Jesus, you cannot bear fruit. Let me, let me rephrase that. Unless you are connected to God himself, you will not be able to bear fruit. If you are connected to the vine, to God, Jesus, as he has come into your life, he's going to prune you and make you more into the likeness of God as he intended for each one of us to be bearing his image. That's how we bear fruit as Christians. That's how we bear fruit as brothers and sisters in Christ. That's how we bear fruit on the other side of the fall, by receiving the truth of who Jesus Christ is, letting him pour himself into us by the might and the power of his Holy Spirit, and let him transform our lives so that we will glorify him and bear his image. That's simply how it is. And then there's this thing, be fruitful, but also, and multiply. I think about this, parents. I think about what it means to multiply. And, then I'm, and I'm taken to Ephesians chapter 6 where it says that we're not to provoke our children to wrath, but rather to raise them in the instruction and the admonition of the Lord. Listen, if your intent, if you're a young adult and you're about to be married or you hope to be married someday, if you are young and you don't have any kids, I want you to think about this. There is no sense in bringing a child into the world if you don't intend to multiply yourself by, by training them in the instruction and the direction and the admonition of the Lord. Because that's what it means to be fruitful. That's what it means to rightly multiply. Bringing them up in the instruction and the admonition of the Lord. Remember, blessing is anything God gives that makes us fully satisfied in Him. Being fruitful and multiplying. How are you doing at being a blessing to others? Now keep this in mind. How are you doing at being a blessing to others? It doesn't always mean that you make someone feel good about who they are or what they are doing. Sometimes it means you bring a strong word of rebuke. Sometimes it means you are there to provide um, counsel and comfort in a time of great need. But here's what the truth is. If you are a blessing... If you want to be fruitful for the sake of Christ, you're going to do whatever it takes in order to point others to the person of Jesus Christ. That's what it means to be a blessing, okay? Image of God is expressed as He provides. He has provided. He has given everything for us to sustain life. 
So the question for us now as it relates to this one, as we watch God providing, how are we doing as His image bearers as we provide for others? This isn't just the things that we have. You need to take into account the time He has given you. You need to take into account the treasure He has given to you. And you need to take into account time, treasure, and the talents He has given to you. All too often we think of providing food and sustenance for others. But this is a life-covering, full-life experience that we need to be a part of. How are you doing at providing for those that God has placed in your life? I had a small group leader come to me. Um, This is a word to small groups, and it's my heart's desire, it's your church's heart's desire that you would be in a small group. And given the season we have just come through, there are a lot of small groups that are sputtering to get going again. But here's what my small group leader said to me. I want my small group to know that I need them. I need what they can provide for me when I am in my time of need. And so, small groups, let's work to get back after it. We need each other. There are things that we all have, blessings we all have to extend to one another that are necessary, and we need them from each other. How does your life reveal you actually believe that God is going to provide for you. All right? Luke chapter 12 says it so well. Well, he calls us of little faith. Listen, if you want to be a provider for someone, look at it in these terms. You live confidently knowing and expressing God's going to provide for me in that way. He's going to provide for me in that way. He'll provide for you in that way. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. My goodness, it just keeps going, going and going and going. God provides us with everything, absolutely everything. And he says to us, don't worry about your food, don't worry about your clothes. Instead, seek his kingdom, and everything will be added. You will bear the image of God if you seek his kingdom. Jesus provides us entrance into that very kingdom that he has for us. God blesses. God provides. God calls us to bless. He calls us to provide. Now, here's how we're going to wrap this up. We still haven't looked at verse 31. Verse 31, God says, or or the, the passage is recorded, that God saw everything that he made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. We see God in this moment of divine reflection. Divine reflection as he looks over the whole of his creation and he declares it to be very good. He made it perfectly. It's to work together perfectly. God's divine reflection on the structure that he had just put into place and he got it going and it's rolling just as he intended. Now, let's imagine we're at the end of all time, and God, the one who likes to look back and reflect on his creation, he pulls you over and he says, hey, let's take a look right now. Let's have a moment of divine reflection. And he says, let's talk about how well you bore my image over the course of your life. Let's talk about the areas where you were a blessing to others. Let's talk about the areas where you provided for others. The day is coming where there will be that divine reflection that he's going to pull you into his side and say, let's have a little talk. God saw that everything was good. How are you going to feel in that day? What do you think? What are the things that you're going to be happy to have a discussion with Jesus about? What are the things that you're going to be like, you know what, Lord, I'm so thankful that you covered my shortcomings on the cross. Humbled to even be standing next to you. Divine reflection on what a divine moment that will be when we'll realize he's covered it. He's absolutely covered it. 
So I want to leave you with a question here. As you, as you, as you process how this passage impacts you, and then we're going to pray. How does your life cause others to be satisfied in God? Think about that. How does your life cause others to be satisfied in God? That's the great question for the day, okay? Let's bless, let's provide, let's reflect the image of God, and let's pray. Father in heaven, what a tremendous privilege it is right now when we think about the fullness of your creation. You end the, you end the sixth day, and you say that it is very good, and it's perfect in its way. Lord, forgive us for where we fall short. Forgive us, Lord, for where we taint your creation, for where we mishandle and misuse your creation. Lord, help us to be better image bearers of yours, knowing, Lord, that it starts with the cross, accepting the truth of that. Lord, if there is anyone here right now that does not know you, I pray, Lord, that you would lean into them that you would draw them into relationship with you, that you would make them your image bearers. Thank you for this body, this fellowship of believers, the fullness of this that, that bears your image. And I pray, Lord, that you would be satisfied with and pleased with as you reflect on your church, Summit Church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
glorious, glorious God. as we reflect on what Todd just challenged us with in his word, I have to be reminded that there are things that you and I see every single day that distract us from the very thing that God has called us to be and how to live. And I think of that this week as we are fasting and praying, perhaps there's something that we should be praying specifically over in our life to say, God, where, where am I evidencing that I am fully satisfied in you? That I see the things that you've given me. I've seen all the things that you've blessed me with. And God, I want to use every single thing that I have, not in an end of itself, but an end to glorify you. Because these things so quickly are changing and gone. The thing that remains the same is God. He is the one who reigns. He's the one who's glorious and victorious. He's the one who's done everything and provided everything that we need, not only for life, but for godliness. And so we are satisfied in what he has given us and satisfied in what he chooses not to give us. And those are difficult things. And so prayerfully consider even this week, do I believe that? Do I know this? God, help me to see that. Listen, if you're here today and you don't know anything of God's goodness and blessing, and maybe you're angry at God for withholding things or not giving you things that you desire and feel like you desperately need, we would love to talk to you. We'd love to help encourage you. How can you this week be a blessing to God's people and to those around you who might not know this and need to be reminded of this? Listen, as you go, know that you are loved and we will see you next week.